Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That takes another level. And when you do that, man, you're going to, like you said, you're going to see the flow. You're going to see that flywheel, right? Begin to just turn on its own. But exercising humility and listening to those that are under you is a difficult task oftentimes. Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today. It is another beautiful day here in North Carolina, and this episode is brought to you by our sponsors, Jeremy Clevenger Fitness and the Sasquatch Flag Company. Both of these sponsors help me bring these shows to you each and every week, so I encourage you to click on their links below and check them out. I have another great show lined up for you today, but before we get started, I just want to remind you to check out the leadership books I've written on either Amazon or my website, johnsrennie.com. This year, I'm offering a new way to purchase all of my books for a discount. I've bundled the books into what I call the Qualified Watchstander series, and you get all three books for 15% off the individual prices. This offer is only available on my website, so check it out if you're looking to step up your leadership game this year. Also, I wanted to remind you that Deep Leadership is ranked as a top 100 management podcast in the U.S., and I wanted to thank each and every one of you for listening in each week and sharing these episodes with your friends. You have helped this podcast grow into a top-performing show, so thank you very much. Well, that is it. Today, we're going to be talking about unleashing the power of your team through power coaching. My guest is Dr. Clint Ledeen. As a former basketball player, author, and leadership coach, he knows how a great coach can bring out the best in their players. He tells us how we can do that as leaders as well. So this is a powerful conversation that you need to hear. So are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Clint Ledeen. Dr. Clint is a leadership and success coach, author, and former professional basketball player. He is the author of Power Coaching, Stand Out, Get Unstuck, and Energize Your Leadership. In this book, Clint shows leaders how to unleash their full potential and the potential of their teams through power coaching. And I am excited to have him on the show to help us understand this process. So Clint, welcome to the show. John, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, it's good to meet you. And uh, we had a nice talk before we got started. And you are, you're a doctor of strategic leadership. And I am in the program to become a doctor of strategic leadership. So uh, my hat's off to you. I know how much hard work uh, that is. And so, uh, yeah, congratulations on that for sure. And so someday I'll be Dr. John, uh, but you're Dr. Clint already. So I'm excited to have you on the show and, and learn from you. Well, thank you. I'm I'm believing for uh, strength and wisdom through the process for you. I know it's uh, a lot, but uh, excited for you. 
Yeah, thank you very much. So, well, I wanted to uh, talk a little bit about your background. You know, you, you I mentioned that you were a former professional basketball player, but I wanted to just understand like how your background led you to want to help leaders. Yeah, I think it uh, starts post-basketball career. I was working for an organization here in the city, San Francisco, California, and they had given us some executive coaching. And uh, a lot of people in our organization were a little bit apprehensive to take it. I took it. I wanted to learn and grow. But to be honest with you, John, when I, I first uh, got it, uh, there was a lot of hubris in my life. I really thought, you know, I've been in this industry five years. Um, I've already, uh, had my master's degree and this, I thought, what could this guy possibly teach me? What is he possibly going to show me? Uh, the short story was that this executive coach came in and it was transformative for my leadership trajectory. It ended up having an amazing impact on our organization, cascaded all the way through and just help us grow, um, by leaps and bounds, increased revenue. And I thought, oh my gosh, I have to learn more about coaching, what this is. And because everybody needs to have some of this in their life. And that's what spurred me on to go back and to get my doctorate in the field of strategic leadership and executive coaching. And I thought, man, everybody needs to have some of this. Yeah, I'm for sure. Absolutely. And it's interesting because, you know, uh, it, everyone I've talked to has a different moment where they just, a spark hits. And it's interesting that, that your story is the spark was actually meeting a leadership coach and learning from a leadership coach and having the lights go on and go, wow, this is transformative, you know, as, as you say. And so it's interesting that that was the spark that led you down this path to where now you're doing this, uh, this as a career, which is, which is really exciting and interesting. And, and, uh, and it's great to know that there's, that, you know, as far as our listeners are out there, you know, you might be moving down a certain path in your career, but watch for those sparks because they can send you in an interesting direction. And uh, and it's exciting to see that you found that that career choice through that one spark. That's very interesting. Most definitely. Yeah, it was uh, exciting and, and really transformative uh, for myself and our organization. Highly encourage everyone to to uh, give it a taste. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about your book. It's called Power Coaching. And um, yeah, I was really interested when I when I looked through the material. So when you wrote it, who was the book primarily for and who do you think will benefit most from the book? Yeah, this book, I think people will love it if they are leaders in organizations. I think also entrepreneurs, solopreneurs will really appreciate it. And also, also throw in this caveat, uh, parents as well. I have a chapter dedicated uh, for parents about some of the principles of coaching, how it can help uh, raise kids. I have five kids myself, have used coaching in uh, my parenting as well. Um, but it really is for people that want to grow their organization, that want to increase revenue. I really believe that coaching is a key component to achieving those things. That makes a lot of sense. So explain to us what power coaching is as opposed to maybe coaching coaching. Yeah, power coaching, I think, takes it another step further than regular coaching. So coaching, you're always trying to get people to uh, perform, to get to their best. 
power coaching, I think, goes a deeper level, a next level where you as a leader and a coach are really concerned with the personal and professional development of those that are following. And so oftentimes, I think as leaders, we know we have to perform, right? We have metrics that we have to hit. We have goals that we got to, we got, uh, you know, uh, uh, key performance indicators that we got to hit. But deep down, power coaching is about evoking awareness in the people that are following, really digging in and finding out what motivates them, their desires, their passions in the workplace, and then helping to come alongside of them and develop those. Because ultimately, when we are concerned as leaders with developing the people that are under us, we're going to see their performance increase. We're going to see deeper engagement. And we're ultimately going to find our organization healthy, flourishing, and thriving. That makes a lot of sense to me. You know, having been in the trenches for 30 years, I've always believed that if you can find what motivates your team members and you can put them in a role where they can be their absolute best and they're doing what their dreams are and and, and that's, you know, working towards a common goal as, as a business that's when the magic happens, when everybody's sort of aligned towards an overall objective, but they're doing something that they they deeply desire. They're doing their dream. They're the head of sales. That was always their dream. And they're doing that job. And, and it connects to the bigger mission that I've always felt like it's um, it, it's exponential in terms of what happens. There's a magic that happens. And it doesn't, you know, I've run a lot of businesses and it takes a while sometimes to get all that that flywheel going. But once the flywheel goes, it becomes like a, uh, everything sort of becomes easy. It's maybe it's a flow state. You've heard the expression of flow state, but it, you, as a business, you get in a flow state. I notice when you when everything is aligned. And what's interesting to me is that not many people talk about this. We don't talk about this enough in in leadership and in 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 management and in MBA programs, for example. Why do you think we miss out on this idea of engaging and 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 getting the best uh, the most out of people? Um, oftentimes I'll start with one thing that I've noticed and, and I'd like to hear from you too, John, if you've noticed this in your career, a lot of times it really takes humility from the leader. Mm. And so it takes two things. It takes humility and it takes time, uh, time to really get to know the, the people that are following you time to dig in and to find out what are their dreams? What are their goals? What are their desires? What, you know, find out some of the, the barriers, the limiting beliefs that they have and really dig into those. And then secondly, it also takes humility because as leaders, it's very scary to let people shine and mm -hmm. to let them excel and even to, even to let them go, you know, shine a little bit more than you. Most leaders, they, that is, you're putting them in extreme discomfort. But I really believe that that next level leadership, when you have the security in yourself to say, you know what, I'm going to let you fly. I'm going to keep pushing you up. I'm going to keep developing you. I want to see the best for you. And that takes another level. And when you do that, man, you're going to, like you said, you're going to see the flow. You're going to see that flywheel, right? Begin to just turn on its own. But exercising humility and listening to those that are under you is a difficult task oftentimes. Yes, absolutely. And I think what you mentioned 
and I saw it a lot in my corporate days is is a lot of the leadership decisions are fear-based. It's mm-hmm. fear of being not looking smart, fear of uh, someone getting uh, the, the spotlight and not me, fear of missing a bonus check, fear of looking like stupid. And so fear prevents us, I think, sometimes from ha- from being humble and, and being able to listen and, and giving, let, giving power to the people yeah. that we have working for us. Yeah. And let me do a basketball analogy, and I'm just going to do kind of a, a left-handed comment, kind of crazy talk. And, but I'll use it for basketball. Okay. Sometimes it's coaches, right? Right. And I'll just use a high school setting or whatever setting. Okay. We're really concerned with the record. Right. But I just want to posit this idea. The idea of really letting your team develop and really letting them make a few mistakes here and there within reason, right? You have to, you have to excel. You have to do things but letting them try moves that are uncomfortable, letting them shoot Curry-like shots, you know, and really get out on the edge of where they are comfortable. And perhaps you might lose a game or two, uh, but, you know, at the end of the season, does anybody care if you're 18 and 14 or, you know, or if it's, you know, uh, you know, 20 and 16? It really doesn't matter, but if you have poured in and allowed those individuals to excel i think there's something powerful in that and i think it's a paradigm kind of a paradigm shift of like to your point hey could it be that maybe i let this person speak at this e- event instead of myself as a leader right of course as leaders there's always times where we got to speak or could i let this person take this lead knowing that hey you know what we might not hit this or that that's a very scary area to be in, but I'm am just kind of thinking that, you know, when getting to that point where we're pouring into people that much is a kind of revolutionary idea that I think a lot of leaders need to begin to explore, especially as we're seeing these changes in the workplace. Yeah, yeah, that is really powerful. The idea of controlled failure is a powerful teaching tool. So when we allow people to do something difficult and have a failure and to learn from that failure, they're going to be better off than if we prevent them from ever having that failure. And it's one of the things I talk about in my books. One of the things that did in the Navy really well is they put us as junior officer of the watch and you had a senior watchstander and they threw every casualty in the world at you and you couldn't handle it and you would ultimately fail. And then we'd stop the drill and we'd say, well, what did you do wrong? And it was like, mm-hmm. oh, it's very emotional when you when you fail. You learn from that because you never want those feelings again. So you're willing to do anything to learn. How can I not allow that to happen again? And that's when learning takes place, when you have those opportunities to fail. But as you say, a lot of leaders don't want that. They want everything to be perfect. So they don't give people those chance to 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 step out and maybe not, you know, not not be perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a really, it's a scary place to to be at. And once again, for us as leaders, a- another great place to be is, right? Because then in that, in our discomfort, we continue to grow, right? We learn that, you know, because we, a lot of times as leaders, we want to think we control everything and in that. And so in that, we continue to grow as well. They continue to grow and, you know, everything keeps moving up. Whereas if we're just the ones, you know, that are experiencing that, it, it keeps us muted and at a certain level. Yeah, yeah. 
So true. So true. You you, you touched on this, and I wanted uh, to talk about it. You mentioned uh, I was looking through some of your materials. You said um, that uh, this idea of limiting beliefs, and you said so. I was going to ask you what's the difference between a limiting belief and a realistic outlook. How how do we have to deal with this idea of limiting beliefs that uh, that may stop us from growing? Well, a limiting belief, you know, tends to focus on the negative aspects of a situation uh, that we're going through, and they ultimately can hold us back from our full potential, right? When we're talking about us as an individual or as organization, uh, whereas a realistic outlook, right, is more positive focus. It understands it's a balanced approach, uh, but it allows us to make more informed decisions and a realistic outlook, we will continue to move forward on it, whereas a limiting belief will prevent us from moving forward at all. But a realistic outlook will take that balance approach and continue to take appropriate action. And I think we see this a lot in our in our businesses, uh, you know, in our individual lives. And the way you can kind of notice it is when you say a sentence or an idea and it's followed with the word because. And typically if that, if that's a, that because is a limiting belief. So it'll be something like, you know what, I possibly couldn't lead uh, an organization because I don't have this, because I don't have this much education or I've never done this before. And I'll share with you a, a story about, you know, kind of early on one organization that I was with um, where I was able to overcome a limiting belief. Um, I was with a, a nonprofit here in the city and we had this, uh, we, I ran a rescue mission there. And so we had a, a service every morning. We'd serve breakfast. We'd give an encouraging word. And I remember one day uh, this gentleman came in and we're serving and we're giving an encouraging word to them. And he's got this big gash on his head, big old cut. And I thought in my head, all right, you know, we got all these job employment opportunities. We can pray for them. We can get him involved in a social service. But what's going to help this gentleman's cut? Um, and I just was prompted to, you know what? You need to start a clinic. You need, you need to start a clinic. But here's the thing, John, is the right the the, the things that popped in my head is I don't have the space. I have no medical experience. I have no equipment. Uh, but I knew that I was supposed to start this clinic. So the realistic outlook, right? The limiting beliefs would have been all those things. You don't yeah. have it. You don't have any space. Okay. But then the realistic outlook, right? Of, hey, keep moving forward. So I thought, what do I have? I have a box of Band-Aids. Okay. Other things I thought, what do I have? I have an office. I go, maybe I'll move my office down in the basement move my office down in the basement, that became a clinic. What do I have? I have a phone and emails. I'm going to start calling doctors and nurses at in the city and see if they'll volunteer an hour of their time. Short story from that box of Band-Aids and, and a call here and there, five years later, that would end up a licensed clinic in the state of California. All because, right, it could be truncated by a limiting belief, but a realistic outlook, okay, what do I have? And so for our listeners here, what do you have in front of you, right? What, what, can, you, what, what can you do, right? You've led 
you know, organizations, you started your own company, right? And I'm sure you've experienced some of those things, same things where you're like, okay, I don't have everything I need, but you began to put it into action. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Leadership skills are like any other skills. You need to practice them to get better at them. Best-selling leadership author John S. Rennie knows this. That's why he's written a new book called You Have the Watch. It's a guided journal for leaders designed to take you through an entire year of leadership training. By the end of the year, you will master 50 of the most important leadership skills. If you want to have a greater impact on the results and people in your organization, go to youhavethewatch.com and pick up your copy today. This episode is brought to you by Jeremy Clevenger Fitness. As a high-performing leader, you know that leadership isn't about telling people what to do. It's about leading by example. And for most people, the one area that they're lacking when it comes to leading by example is their health and fitness. By improving your health and fitness, every other area of your life improves. But how do you get and stay fit as a busy leader? Well, you do what you've always done. You hire the best person for the job. Don't struggle on your own. Put Jeremy Clevenger on your team. Jeremy will work with you to take your physique, mindset, nutrition, habits and more to the next level with his step-by-step all-inclusive coaching program. Now I've worked with Jeremy for the past year and I'm in the best shape of my life. If you want to step up your game, reach out to Jeremy at apexperformancesystems.com to find out more and get your initial consultation scheduled with him today. This episode is brought to you by the Sasquatch Flag Company. The Sasquatch Flag Company is a family-owned business in New England that builds hand-carved American flags from seasoned white pine. Each flag is hand-built, and each star on the flag is hand-hammered and chiseled. No two flags are alike. They offer a variety of flag designs to honor the police, military, firefighters, dispatchers, and search and rescue personnel, to name a few. These stunning handmade flags look great in an office, a studio, the back porch, or above the fireplace mantle. They make the perfect gift for the veteran, first responder, or patriot in your life. Now, I love these flags, and I've been giving them as gifts for years, and I was a customer long before they became a sponsor of the show. I can't recommend them enough, so if you're looking for that perfect, uniquely American make gift to give away or if you want to treat yourself go to sasquatchflags.com and get your order in today i do see that we we tend to quickly write things off like you say i have no medical knowledge i don't know what i'm doing so i should just ignore that and move on but when you feel when, when you say well what do i have and what could i do and it's like then you start you know and i think that's the same thing with a small business right we didn't have the the deep pockets that my competitors have, right? And a lot, if you come into my factory, you'll see a lot of equipment that's pretty amazing. You're like, that's really cool. Well, it's kind of all homemade. And we sort of had to be, because the, the, the what we really wanted was like $150,000 piece of equipment. What we have is a, you know, $1,200 piece of equipment that we custom made and it works great, right? Yeah. And in the back of my mind, I say, at some point, we're going to have a nice piece of equipment, but right now we have what we need to make the product and get the product out the door, right? Yeah, that's exactly. Do what you can with what you have, right? Keep moving forward, even if you, you know, even if it's not perfect, right? Yeah, great, great wisdom. Yeah. And we, you know, we see so many people often in businesses, you know, at the side of the road because, uh, because of those limiting beliefs and be, because they, you know, lack that persistence, uh, but yet, right, that that continued movement forward is key. And a key principle for leaders as well, right? Despite the staff that you have, you might be frustrated with them. 
you know what? You, you keep developing them, you keep pouring into them, right? And keep adding at the right times. Uh, you know, typically good things happen. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's uh, one of the things I talked about with these college students today. I taught at the NC State University, the little leadership thing. And I told a story of my worst sailor on board uh, and how he became my best sailor. And one of the reasons okay. was because I, the, we we were deployed. And so you're deployed with the people that you're, you're gone for three months. They lock the doors, they lock all the, you know, and you're stuck with the people you're deployed with. So, you know, in the business world, we might write somebody off or let them go or move them to another department when we have a problem child. But in this case, I had to figure out like, okay, this this guy is a problem, but but why is he a problem? And I learned that he was bored. And so every time he was bored, he would get himself in trouble. And so one of the things I had to find is like, what what excites him? What was his passions? What kept him less bored? And it turns out that he was one of my best sailors and he just was, he was so smart that a lot of the basic things that we did every day bored him and he, so he would get himself in trouble. And so, but I think it's the idea of working with, with like, the, look, I couldn't replace him. So I had to work with what I had and here I had a problem sailor who'd end up you know, was was really good, but I had to learn who he was and I had to learn what made him tick. And and that was a big part of well, like turning that situation around because I had no choice. I, uh, I had to work with him. That's fantastic. How did you, and how did you learn that that boredom was kind of the, the thing that was kind of preventing him from excelling? How did you kind of uncover that or unearth that? Well, it was a pattern. So, because yeah. so, I stood, you know, one of the things about, uh, you know, the, the the submarine Navy is you stand these long watches with people. And so you get to know them and you you, you learn about them. And and I, I stood I stood the mid-watch with him. And, you know, at midnight, you know, from midnight to six in the morning, not much happens. We're operating a nuclear power, uh, you know, plant at sea. And, and I would see he would get bored. He would start taking the panel apart. What do you? Like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm bored. You know, like, why are you bored? Yeah, you know, we're standing watch. You know, but but I, you could see, you could learn from it. Just watch him. He would just, the more he'd get bored, the more he would get himself into trouble. And uh, and so I think, but but I like the idea of that, even when it comes to people, it's, it's like, what can I do with what I have, the resources I have in front of me uh, to be able to get it done? And in our case on a submarine, you couldn't get another sailor you had to use yeah. what you had with you know that you deployed with you know what i just saw as you're telling that story another podcast that you have to do is ways to get in trouble on a submarine because <laughs> right I, those that have never been on it were like what could you possibly how could you get in trouble on a submarine but i bet <laughs> you have so many stories that would be a fantastic podcast that people <laughs> come on and tell their stories of how I got in trouble on this. It's a very unique, strange group of people that go onto the ocean for long periods of time. Let's just say they get in trouble. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, but so, you know, it, and so it kind of comes to my next question, because I think you talk about it in the book, which is like, how can leaders uncover this untapped potential in their, in their staff and their teams? So you talk about it. How do we do it? So how do, like you said, we get, if we do that, we, we end up having a better business, but how do we go about doing that? Yeah. Keyword listening, mm. uh, taking time to listen and, uh, you know, um, questions, uh, really getting in to ask questions. And I'll even frame it with this because you've been in, in corporate, corporate world and to, Go beyond a simple question. So you, you've probably been in one-on-one -on -one meetings, Sean, and it goes something like this. Hey, you know, how do you feel about everything going on? The person will give you the corporate corporate speak, talk. 
oh, it's going fine. I'm okay. They know how to talk the language. They know how to be positive when they need to be, right? But as a leader, a key point, if you want to take it to the next level, is to go deeper with two or three follow-up questions, right? About a certain issue or thing that's kind of open-ended questions like, you know, they might say, oh, it's okay. Well, you know, and you might, you know, dig into that. Well, I noticed that, you know, um, this piece of uh, equipment wasn't working up, you know, did, you know, are people on the floor finding that frustrating or, you know, it seems like uh, our team has, you know, operated a little bit more, you know, effectively in the past. What have you noticed that helped us operate more effectively, maybe some more corporate, you know, talk, uh, you know, and then, but just keep going in and begin to listen and find out, listen to some of those key things that they're saying. And when you do, you're going to begin to uncover uh, things about them. If you, you know, if you then take it on a personal note, like, you know, Hey, tell me about when, when is John at his best? Mm. You know, great question. It's a great question. When is John at his best? He'll answer. Tell me about where does that come from, John? Did you, did you, was that something you saw your mom and dad did, right? Why is that important to you, right? You, you'd like to do public speaking. Tell me about that. Do you like, do you like people that, you know, see you afterwards? Do you like the rush of when you get up in front of people? Um, you know, tell me more about that. And you begin to go in, you begin to find out, right, those wirings and, right, those motivational levers. And then you're able to find things within your organization that's heading towards the goals you have, get them in alignment with that. And then, like we talked earlier, get them plugged in and begin to uh, let them flourish. I love that. And, and, you know, and as you're talking about that, the one thing that keeps screaming in my head is if you if you want to do that, you have to be present. You actually have to be around. You have to be where your people are. You have to talk to them. You have to listen to them. You can't be in your office. You can't be on your phone when they're around. You can't be in meetings. I'm too busy to to spend time with you. And that seems to be a a a, a, a problem in in especially what I saw in corporate is people the managers were too busy to spend time with their people, and so they miss out on that rich tapestry of of knowledge and experience and desires that exist within their team. So, right. Am I, am I yeah, and approaching this right? Cause that's what, that's what I'm screaming in my head is like be yeah. present. <laughs> so, yeah. And that's why I'm a big proponent of, you know, embedding coaching into your whole organization, right? When it gets embedded, not just with the top team, but when you use that and then you begin to teach middle management and then lower, right. Uh, people on the floor, some of those principles as well. And you'll notice them talking. You'll notice them asking open-ended questions, right? You'll notice that becomes part of the culture because you're right. You know, if you're right, the top person can't do that with everybody, right? You can't spend, you know, 45, 50 minutes of listening or talking and, right, really finding out. But it's something that, you know, if you get kind of embedded in the culture, you model it up top, and it begins to cascade down, but you can really have an impact on the uh, on the culture and engagement. Yeah, yeah, I definitely can see that. And and, and um, yeah, it's sort of like one of the questions I had to you when you sounds like you you answered a little bit, which was like, how does coaching help inspire and motivate employees? And and I think you just touched on that, right? You so see, you're 
you're actually, um, you know, engaging, you, you embed that, that coaching mindset within the whole, within all your staff, right? At that point. Yeah, most definitely. And, and you can just think about it, right? Think about this, John, how many times in your life has somebody just sat and listened to you, right? Maybe if you've gone to therapy, you got some of that, right? And some therapists like to talk a lot, uh, some listen, but me. But when you think about that, think about how many times somebody has just listened to you without judgment, without trying to get something out of you, right? And really, and and then, you know, partner that with somebody that's in your corner that says, you know what, I want John to excel. I want to help him overcome barriers. I want him to help uh, overcome obstacles. I'd want him to be, you know, successful and flourishing you know, if we were fortunate, maybe we had a good home. Maybe we had a dad, right? 50% now population shows us that otherwise. And so if you can imagine if somebody has somebody like that in the workplace and it's transformative in our kids' lives, right? We, we see the research. How much in our work setting as well when people are like, you know what, John really cares about me. Yes, he's got to hit his numbers. Yes, he's got to hit, right, his KPIs, but he's concerned about me as well. Man, you know this, right, from being in the server. They'll run through a brick wall for you, yeah. right, and get things done. They'll be like, yeah, I'll stay late. Yeah, I can do a little bit more today. Yeah, no problem. Let's go. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's so it's, it's interesting you say that, and, and that I was going to ask you that in terms of like... <clears throat> You know, we're seeing a lot of this this quiet quitting. We see a lot of people coasting. We see a lot of people now. Um, you know, we used to call it retired on active duty. So they're there, but they're not really there. Uh, or that's good. So, but 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 how do we uh, how do we get them? How do we reengage them? How do we inspire them? How do we get past this? Uh, I'm just here checking in. I'm just clocking in and clocking out. I don't want to get involved uh, in this high level of uh, disengagement we see in the workforce. 70% are disengaged. How do we change that? Yeah. And I, I think it's going to be this paradigm shift and it's going to be a lot of the principles that I just talked about. And I really believe that because just look at the, you know, workplace now, people, you know, before we used to have to be there nine to five in the in the place corporate setting, right? That ha has totally transformed, right? Never people our age, I'm a, you know, I mean, you are the same age, similar age. We I never thought that was possible when they first started telling us to right telling people you got to go home. I go, there's no way that's going <laughs> to happen. That's right. Im impossible, right? This that's just my old mindset, right? And now I'm like, oh my gosh, it is people are still flourishing. They're still getting things done. So in that vein, I really think there's going to be a paradigm shift because going back to the old school us Gen X, right? It would be like, no, I'm the leader. I tell you what to do. This is how it's done. You get in line, right? And stop complaining, right? All the Gen X stuff, right, that we did. I think it's going to be some of the principles you talked about where, hey, I really want to be in it in the right word. I really want to be in your corner and help your career, Barbara, Johnny, whatever it is. What can I do to come alongside of it here with what we have, what we're doing, 
the different type of tasks and roles, right? Not everybody can be the president. Not everybody can have these. But how can I come alongside you, get you some of these, and be in your corner to help you excel professionally and personally? It's kind of, you know, counterintuitive to a, a different way of doing things. But this quiet, uh, you know, quitting, this coasting, it's real and it's happening. And, you know, people, they need to be engaged and they, they're they kind of waking up and say, I can find some places where they are really have my best interests at heart. Yeah. Great advice. Powerful advice. That's <laughs> really good stuff. So um, what final message would you like to leave with the leaders that are listening in this conversation? If they're hearing this message and they want to, you know, what, what would you, what, you, what final word would you like to leave with them? Uh, keep pushing your people up. Yeah. Allow yourself, uh, you know, take that, uh, allow yourself to have that humility and see where you can, uh, uh, help somebody else to excel. Right. We, we all know, right. The good one, treat people how, how you'd want to be treated. Sometimes we get into leadership and, uh, those things go by the wayside, but really see if you can get to the point where you're really concerned about them and can push them up and uh, see uh, how much you can uh, keep. You're continue to lead. You're always leading, but see if you can keep that humility in check and see how far you can push it. Great final thoughts there. Pushing your people up, continue to push your people up. I love that. Uh, that's fantastic. The book is Power Coaching Standout. Get Unstuck and Energize Your Leadership. What a fantastic resource. Highly encouraged that uh, listeners, you check it out. Uh, so, uh, Clint, how can people find out more about you, your company, your services, and this new book? Yeah, they go to the website, successfullycoaching.com. Uh, the book is available there and also on Amazon as well. Also on social media, Instagram, and all the likes there. Okay, very good. And we're going to put links in the show notes for all those resources. And again, leaders, check these resources out. Uh, if you really want to get the best out of your team, if you want to uh, avoid uh, quiet quitting, uh, the coasting as we talked about, uh, this is a great way to do it. Get your team engaged. And the way you, you become, you get engaged team is for you to be an engaged leader. And this book's going to help you do that. Um, Clint, I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing all this information and, uh, and you know, talking us through this idea of uh, power coaching. I think it's really fascinating. And I think we can all learn from it. Hey, thank you. Appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Thanks again. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Hey, it's Tim from 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys, the comedy podcast you had no idea you needed. Join Ben, Jeff, and me as we continue our musical road trip back through the years and around the globe. 
See, just when you thought all white guys were like Joe Rogan, you come across three educators trying to remember when we were cool. 50 years of music with 50-year-old white guys. Electric Miles, are you ready to record our promo for Season 2 of the Wanna Bet Podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that Season 2 starts August 18th. But I like Airplane. I know you do, but Wanna Bet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. No more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric acid.